are we really covering Shrek? Yes, we really, really are. And with so many songs to cover and quotes to butcher, we better get started already on this episode of that song from that movie. What manly stories? And in the morning, I'm making waffles. <laughs> Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey <laughs> for the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. So just sit back and relax, my lord, because I'm about to give oh, you today's okay, okay, yeah. three <laughs> eligible podcasting <laughs> bachelorettes. Our first bachelorette is a mentally abused shut in from a kingdom far, far away. He likes sushi and hot tubbing anytime. His hobbies include cooking and cleaning for his three evil sisters. Let's hear it for Dietrich. Ah, nice. I was about to say, where's it going? Okay, good. good. Bachelorette number two is a cape-wearing guy from the land of fantasy. Although he lives with seven other men, he's not easy. Just kiss his frozen dead lips and find out what a live wire he is. Give it up for Alex. I feel like in a lot of ways it's kind of accurate. Is it? It's not as accurate as this one. And last but not least is a fiery redhead who lives in a dragon-guarded castle <laughs> founded by a boiling lake of lava. But don't let that cool you off. He's a loaded pistol who likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Yours for the rescuing, Ben. I do like pina coladas and I love D&D, which is slightly dragon-related. And you're a fiery redhead. I and I am also a fiery redhead. And what about making love in the dune of a cape? Um, well, you know, it's not, it's, are we after the watershed? No, we've got half an hour. Sandy bottom. <laughs> oh. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha-cha-cha-cha. It's been a while since we last recorded, so uh, maybe, maybe choice cuts. Choice cuts. Oh, God. I've well got three films, In the Heights. You saw In the Heights? Nah. I, I've watched In the Heights, yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's all right. It's all right, yeah, it's not bad. It's long, but it's good. Watched the film Casino, which came up in this podcast once before as a top five uh, answer. Good, it's a good suit. It's a good suit. Amazing yeah. suits. It's, amazing. Uh, very, it's quite a pretty good film, actually. I would recommend. Um, and then the best film I watched was a film called The Ruling Class, which is like a film from the 70s. And it is wild. It is very surreal. The Ruling Class. I haven't even heard of Not it. heard of that. It's, on, it's got Peter O'Toole in it. It's basically a play, I think. So I can't remember who the director is. Don't think he really directed much else. Um, but it's in Peter Medic. It's on uh, Amazon Prime, I think. I would recommend. It's very, very surreal. Oh my god! He directed Species too. <laughs> Have you seen the Species films? Nope. They're basically. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I will explain it. Audience, go look at what Species films are about. They're basically soft core alien porn. <laughs> Might leave that one. So that's a bit of a shift, then, Alex. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty weird this film, but not 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 in that way. <laughs> Would recommend though. Would recommend Species too. <laughs> Each to their own. So uh, probably the best film I've seen in these past few weeks is Talk to Me, which is like a Australian horror film. It's doing the rounds at the cinema. When I went, it was absolutely packed, and I was surprised. And I went in knowing nothing, and it's probably one of the best horror films I've seen in a fair amount of time mm. yeah just a really good premise really good modern twist of like how basically a, a gang a gang of youths find a hand like a just like a porcelain hand that has some um well consequences powers all right but it's it's <laughs> no it's it, it's absolutely fantastic um and got like a kind of a black comedy tinge to it um definitely recommend that one when it comes out 
on the old streaming services if you still cool. have them because they're flipping expensive. I am quickly cancelling streaming services left, right, and centre. Comeback cable, always forgiven. <laughs> yes. Comeback cable. <laughs> I've watched a couple of films since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the best thing I watched was Palm Springs. Ah, yeah. That's yeah. Good have film. you seen that? Yeah, it's a good film. I really enjoyed that. I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, I watched that as well. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was all right. Wasn't a massive fan of it. It either needed to be funnier or more dramatic. Yeah, no. But it's neither and does nothing. Eh. In the Mark Commode 6 last test, I think I laughed six times. Mm, I'm not sure I did, actually. What What is this film? I feel like I recognise the name. Oh, it's the um, Nicolas Cage movie where he plays himself uh, with Pedro Pascal. It's on Netflix. And I also watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Oh, is Mayhem. that good? Is that good? It's it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I heard really good stuff about it's it. It's a lazy comparison, but it's like the Into the Spider-Verse yeah, in terms well. of like I get best the, 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 the quality and the animation and everything involved with it. Yeah. It's definitely one to, to watch. I think it might be out of cinemas now, so you might, you might have to wait until it's on our streaming service. Our streaming or wait service. even longer for it to be on Film 4. <laughs> As I do for most films. <laughs> Very specific. So if my stupidly long intro and the fact you've clicked on an episode called The Songs of Shrek wasn't obvious enough, Today we're breaking mm-hmm. down all the songs from the hit movie Shrek. Mm-hmm. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Shrek history? No, doesn't work, does it? It does um Mr. Shrek. Yeah, I was trying to think of something. No, it's not working. I can only think of Star Shrek in my head though, for some reason. <laughs> Star Shrekking across the universe. Um it's me today. We are going back to June 2001, the release month of Shrek. Now, we've already covered this month before on this podcast, so I decided to have a look at some of the films that came out in the month of June in 2001. Now, what I want you guys to do is I'm going to go through these films fairly quickly, and I want you to give your quick snap out of five stars review, and I will tell you why you're wrong or not. Okay. Okay, Okay, so the first film. June 2001, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Spielberg film. Uh, Three and a half stars out of five. D's right. D's probably better because it's a weird film. Fast and the Furious, the original. Three. One of D's D's, uh, seminal films changed him into the man he is now. No, I I, I got on Bobby Tokyo Drift. Come on, Bobby (laughs) Tokyo Drift. (laughs) Said no one ever. Alex? What, Fast and Furious? Uh, uh, Two stars. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Alex is right. Uh, Sexy Beast. Oh, God. A classic. Now, we're talking about yeah. film four. Sexy Beast is probably on film four every <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah, ben definitely. Kingsley in this film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's at least four. At least four. Yeah, I think you're both, you both pretty much spot on. Uh, Lara Croft's Tomb Raider. The original mm. Tomb Raider. The first one. Um, if you ask me then, ten <laughs> out of five. <laughs> ten uh, if you ask me five. now... I wonder why. I don't know. Two. <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah, two. Soft three. <laughs> soft three a pointy three disney's atlantis mm, i don't think i've ever seen that you never seen it no i don't think i have either i definitely had the burger king toys yeah <laughs> yeah i remember it being merged a lot but I've it's definitely it. grown on me to be a solid two out of five um <laughs> okay, well, evolution now evolution is a seminal five 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 <laughs> five 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 when are we gonna do evolution that has a song in it 
You are so beautiful. <laughs> Gotta put some stank on it. Uh, walls. <laughs> Slightly acidic. We are quote machines. This is what we did for our entirety of high school. Five out of five, absolutely. And finally, a film we've already covered on this podcast, Moulin Rouge. Also five. Yeah, uh, three. Alex is great. Alex wins that game. Well done, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, rate it overall as a month, including <sighs> Pretty solid. Shrek. Out of five. Yep. Six. Six. And it has to be, it has to be at least a six, because this flipping film came out, one of the greatest, most important seminal films of the, and, and this, in fact, this has been a common uh, example for the discussion between, is Shrek a classic? Because it's only 22 years old, but is that old enough to be a classic? Yes. Yes. Okay, so does, is Sexy Beast a classic then? Yeah. Is evolution a classic? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, we've answered it. We've answered. We've answered it now. That is how it works, guys. So Shrek is a classic American CGI animated fantasy comedy from DreamWorks Studios. It stars the likes of Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, and Cameron Diaz as we follow the story of the titular ogre who finds his swamp overran by fairy tale creatures banished from the local kingdom. So, with the help of his talking donkey, he makes a pact with Lord Farquaad to rescue the princess in exchange for the deed to his swamp. You must have seen this film. If you haven't, I honestly don't think I could trust you as a human being. Simply. Just wouldn't make sense to me. Um, Yep. Guys, what do we think of Shrek? Well, I mean, Ben, you've just taken us back to 2001, but allow me to do so again, because I've (laughs) written a story. There's a bit. No. (laughs) I'll, I'll put my feet up. It's November 2001. It's a presumably cold and wet night in West Yorkshire, and a 10-year-old version of me and my mother are on the way to the recently opened Blockbuster. My mum had agreed with me that I could rent any movie from Blockbuster and have a bag of toffee butter kiss popcorn for a movie night while she was taking my sisters to see Disney on Ice at Sheffield Arena. (laughs) I had never heard of Shrek, and upon seeing this fancy green display for the movie with the characters depicted, decided, that's a film for kids. And wanted to rent something else. <laughs> Species too. But after 30 minutes of trying to decide on something else and finding nothing which tickled my fancy, I ultimately, you might say begrudgingly, ended up renting Shrek. So fast forward, my mum and my sisters have gone, and it's me and my nephew. We've moved the sofa to be directly in front of the TV. My nephew says to me, oh, I've heard Shrek is really good. I scoff. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I hit play. And the rest is uh, Shrek's tree. Shrek's tree. <laughs> Guys, it was like I was experiencing a supernova. <laughs> you know that that movie trope where you see a close up a person's face with like lights flashing on it. The ratter, the ratatouille moment. Yeah, a, a bit, yeah. Uh, it, that was me. I was in stitches. That's the funniest movie I've ever seen. I presumably decreed. <laughs> I decree. The quote, "My mouth was open and everything was instantly added to my lexicon," and that's all I could talk about. Um, <laughs> the shiny shoes, wipe your face moment which obviously we'll talk about later that was on the playground the following day i had to tell everybody on like on a cellular level it changed my young brain did this movie uh, of course in a few weeks time i would get a birthday present of the imprisoned groove on dvd Ooh. which would do so again but that's another story for another episode <laughs> absolutely since that fateful evening i've watched this movie countless times Beautiful. including a few weeks ago and it's just it just hasn't lost a single step. No, nope. even the CGI I think is it's, yeah, it's not up to the levels we would expect now. But it still holds up yeah, fantastically. It does. The jokes still land. Yeah, it's still the story still quick and punchy. The movie feels as young and spry, and in my opinion, as groundbreaking as it did twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's a classic. It is an absolute certified classic. Absolutely. Alex? I mean, what what do you add to that? I think saying it's one of the best films of all time isn't too far to go. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's, I think it's like where you said it's like it's the funniest film you'd ever see. I think it pretty much was the funniest film that existed up until that point. I think that is just a fact, unfortunately, for all the films that went before it. Um, my experience of seeing this film, I also remember for the first time, is, is a lot different to yours. And that was on holiday, and I can't remember exactly where it was. It was either... Menorca, Mallorca, or Ibiza. It was like one of those <laughs> islands. And there was a pub uh, there that showed unreleased films, clearly pirated <laughs> films, on a big screen in this bar. And the bar was rammed every single day for like during like kind of siesta period when it was too hot to be outside. And like they would advertise on like a chalkboard the next films. And the two films I really remember seeing there are. The fight, the that weird original like Final Fantasy film, which was called no, like, Advent Children. No, oh, no, like Spirits like, Within. Spirits, oh, Spirits Within. Within, the other one. Yeah. yeah, Spirits Within, and also Shrek. And let me tell you, that bar was howling at Shrek. It was <laughs> not, not Spirits Within. Oh. <laughs> no, that had a much different response. <laughs> yeah. There were less people in for that film as well as you can imagine. <laughs> but Shrek, it was absolutely. You know, there were people crammed oh, yeah. in every nook and cranny of that room watching Shrek for the first time. What an experience. It's one of the best films ever made. And I, yeah, can't, I don't really know what absolutely. else to say. Like, you watch it now, like Dee said, and it is still amazing. There was a time where, if you've seen I Am Legend, where Will Smith just like, literally quotes the entire film like word for word at one, <laughs> in one scene of I Am Legend. <laughs> I was like, that was me watching it alone the, in my bedroom. The, the, the <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> scene of I Am Legend. Yeah, they were incredible scene. But that is what I used to do. I used to sit in my bedroom watching because I had this film th- in three different formats. I had it on VHS, DVD, and also I had, well, it's not a second, a third thought format, but it was a second DVD copy that yeah, I the Shrek had, along. which was Shrek 3D, no, Shrek 3D, uh, which really came nice. with a copy of the original Shrek film as well. So we had three copies. So you had four copies of Shrek? Well, we had Shrek. We had, we had three copies of Shrek and one copy of Shrek 3D. Um, wow. No, because Shrek 3D wasn't the film Shrek. It was a, it was a, like a side side. It was just a holographic skin. box. <laughs> yeah, it was like a sequel, like a sequel shot, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, they yes. But yeah, I used to just literally sit and watch this film in my bedroom, just just word for word, just repeating it back like a second afterwards. It was uh, probably less than that, like half a second afterwards, because that's that's how cool it was. <laughs> yeah, this film is a cultural lightning rod, isn't it? Really. Um, I think it's a seminal moment in a lot of different aspects. I think in film in general, I think sometimes you can be very reductionist than people are, I think, with animation, of seeing it as quite separate to just general cinema. But Shrek is just an absolute cultural, I think, tipping point in animation and how it was done. Um, I know that we we had an earlier tipping point with Toy Story just kind of like five or six years before, but I think Shrek really brought in the adult audience aspect in in an appropriate way, not like the like a Fritz the Cat sort of like sexualized adult animation. Like this was just the pure family fun aspect of there was something in Shrek for every single person. Um, And what we will go on to, even in the music, which was, you know, groundbreaking in itself of how it was used. There has been countless sequels, spin-offs, other multi multimedia outfits. There's a ride, there's the musical, various sort of ad reads still kind of being churned out. It kind of cemented DreamWorks as the great Disney competitor or the great Pixar competitor. Before then, it, it we, you know, there are DreamWorks films, which we have obviously a soft spot for, but they just Prince were Richard. not of the calibre. Yeah, they were just not of the calibre. 
Yeah, it, it just completely spun everyone around on its head. And I honestly don't, yeah, like you were saying, I just don't think it could ever dry up. There, there were, I can only imagine there becomes a point when you can look at the CGI and think, Ugh. but I just don't, like you were saying, I watched it a few weeks ago and it's, it, it's still pretty good. Like when I watched Toy Story about the original, there's parts of it where you're thinking, Ugh. it's a bit blocky, a bit edgy. Yeah. yeah, it just kind of brings you out of it a bit. There, there was very, only when I was thinking to really focus on like the grass or, you know, the background. But in general, it, it's still, like you say, I think it moves at a really strong beat. Um, and I think that's probably helped by the music to keep it kind of very on a clockwork, on a metronome almost. And yet probably is one of the greatest films. And I just think, I think a lot of people don't often pick Shrek because they think it's almost like reductionist to pick it. Um, that you're being sort of uh, offensive to other to the rest of cinema, even though it probably is just has a, had a bigger impact as films like Citizen Kane or The Godfather. And yeah, that's right. You can quote me. Yeah, I mean, which which one, which film out of Shrek and Citizen Kane did I enjoy more? Shrek. Yeah, which one did I fall asleep to? <laughs> which one would I never go again to watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which one has the better Eddie Murphy performance? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So yeah, um, Shrek is based on uh, source material which I didn't, uh, I wasn't aware of, which is just a picture book by William Stieg. Were you aware of this? Like a kid's book? It's just an ogre called no, Shrek. No, I, I, I was. Aware, I know. I know about it now. I wasn't aware then. Obviously, it's it's very, yeah, it's very different. Yeah, same. It's incredibly ridiculous. I've never read comparison. it. No, no, and like I say, to to it was just an inspiration more than anything, and has now spawned into this behemoth. So like the original. It was a box office smash from the moment it kind of hit cinema. It grossed around $480 million on a $60 million budget. So like they say, you um, you consider it generally a film to break even if it makes double its budget because of production costs, marketing, advertising. So we're saying it's got to make $120 million, It's kind of quadrupled that, which is absolutely fantastic. It received widespread acclaim at the time for its animation, the voice acting, which is probably, I think, the best voice acting of any animated film ever. Some of the best casting choices ever. My wife still thinks that Mike Myers is Scottish. (laughs) (laughs) And like I say, the story perfectly weaved so many different threads. Uh, References, probably one of the first films to do that so well, to just kind of grab pop culture by the horns and just cram it into a narrative that makes sense and not feels jolting. To like snap out of it, the fact that this talking donkey can be singing, you got to try a little tent. <laughs> On paper, that does not work. <laughs> and I think now it's easy to see. I, I dig that romantic crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now it's easy to see that, but because Shrek made the mold for th- other things afterwards to fit into. And I think, yeah, new audiences will always find a role for it. It's the film that most successfully does bridge that gap between children and adults because the adult you find like a lot of films after this one try to like replicate the formula of having these kind of like subtle nods to adults and like slightly riskier jokes in there but none of them really ever achieved what this film achieves in in pulling them off i think even the shrek sequels themselves yeah because they were all they all were attempting to do it i feel like with this one it just did it naturally and that's why it just works so well Whereas like every other film was trying to replicate yeah. some a formula that didn't exist. It just it just happened to it almost just it just fizzled here, didn't it? It yeah. just just worked. I, I think that's because I think people misconstrue the idea of an adult 
um, strand to be, like I say, uh, sexualized or 18 plus, whereas it's just clever jokes in Shrek that yeah. maybe go slightly over the head of children. It's not like it's over sexualized in any way or rude or vulgar. It's perfectly fits like it's PG rating. Um, or is it a U rating? Actually, I think it I, is. I don't U. know. Do you, do you do you think Lord Farquaad is overcompensating for something? Like well, <laughs> but I, like I say, there's there's layers and layers. It's not like it's constant. <laughs> was like that was that an intentional pun? <laughs> double entendre. The double entendres, are, if any, are very soft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very yeah. soft. It's not the kind of like you know the eyebrow raised to that looks like you get this one, but your kid doesn't. It's not like that. <laughs> and a lot of the references are in the references because there's so many. Like we say, Shrek was very influential. One of the things that it was mostly praised for and what it introduced to animation was that alongside the original score, it started to incorporate popular music to move and shape the story. And not just music that acted as the soundtrack, but also diegetically, the characters are aware of these popular culture references. They are singing the songs. Um, and that works. There are many musical references in Shrek. Some of them very, very famous. Some of them just kind of little offbeats that we will mention. We will go through a lot of them that feature on the soundtrack or some sort of misnomers that are in the film, but not on the soundtrack. And we will mostly go through them in chronological order. And with that, we actually probably start with one of, if not the, question mark, most (laughs) famous song from the film. I slowly say to allow interruptions. Um, I think it's fair. so. Yeah, I think it's the in song, my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Our first pop song of Shrek, in my opinion, it's most notable. As Shrek explodes from his portaloo, we have our first exposure to Smash Mouth's All Star. <laughs> this starts the film off. It starts the film off at an absolute explosion. What do you think of this song? All I can visualize now is is like a young Dietrich Sandler sofa with his nephew, just uh, just taking in this <laughs> film. But, yeah, but taking in that moment, like, okay, life's changed because like it is from that <laughs> moment that the film is just like you're you're on board. Because I, I don't know, I feel like the song's become a bit of a joke generally across like the internet and stuff. But it was a proper like slamming song <laughs> in yeah. the first scene of this film, and it's like it was everywhere, and it was such an anthem. It just immediately strikes the tone for the film in that it's it's a, a fairy tale, but it's 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 a, a more contemporary, up to date fairy tale. And that entire scene of Shrek, you know, ambling around his swamp, you know, farting in a in a in a puddle of uh, mud, etc., is just <laughs> there to kind of create that juxtaposition straight away against classic fairy tale stories, and it just works so well. And the fact with it being kind of like a I don't even know what type, what even is the genre of music of Smash Mouth. Sort of like a pop punk type. Thing. I think it's like that kind of like weird sort of ska pop punk time. Yeah, that, you know, there's a lot of like pop the ska. Uh, yeah the after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater era. Yeah, East Coast. Everyone's in sort of a uh, Baja shorts and uh, like Hawaiian <laughs> t-shirts. It's very uh, what's call them warp tour. Real big fish. <laughs> Less than Jay. The warp uh, Yeah, very sort of like they're all slightly overweight, but wear big heavy sunglasses, and that's absolutely very cool. And that was vibe. That was the vibe at the time. And that was and the vibe. It's a vibe yeah. we miss. Yeah, and and they just nail it. Everything's not North Face. Yeah, just just absolutely nail it. The song just slaps. It slaps at the beginning of this film. D. 
linking to what Alex said and sort of touched upon about what he was sort of going towards meme culture, it's so incredibly difficult to separate this song and this movie. I think Shrek, I think All Star, and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Um, I hear the first couple of notes and I can see like a perfect projection of that swamp outhouse door smashing yes. open <laughs> with his grinning face in my head. I know. I mean, is the song good? Eh, I don't know. It's cheesy and it's rubbish post the first verse and chorus, but do I love it? Absolutely. It makes me happy and nostalgic. And I couldn't give a flipping flip if this song was not written originally for this movie. Oh, oh no. no. We're going to go into that soon. It's funny you mentioned about the third verse because it's like up until probably like the last few years when I actually got like Spotify and the song was just randomly comes on for whatever reason that I actually got to learn the the, the kind of end bit about <laughs> pay some guy for gas kind of kind of line. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because very it's odd. The, yeah, because obviously not in the film because it's cut before then. So no. it's like yeah, for good so reason. The, the song yeah, well, yeah, it's like the song does actually go on. What we'll go into is that the choice of songs for this film, although there's very little kind of noted of why they picked what. It all it seems the through line will be based on lyrics, and I think that's the thing to kind of remember as we kind of go through. All Star was a song that came from Smash Mouth's second studio album, Astro Lounge. I mean, what a name for an album, Astro Lounge. It's very of the time. <laughs> what a great name for an album. The song only was added as a single from request from Interscope Records, who were their label. Um, they said that the band needed more singles, and so they created this song for it. I think it was the song was written by guitarist of uh, Smash Mouth, Greg Camp, who said the anthem is for outcasts, which fits well with the film. And I don't know if they were aware of that as they were picking it. Well, there's another thing that to mention about this, actually, in its choice of the film. And I'm interested in what you think of this, D, because technically it's a credit song in a way, isn't it? Like the you see writing like in the like the muddy yeah. water and stuff like that. It's quite a clever way of doing a credit song. I do have to sort of say, though, it does have the bit where he's reading the book beforehand. So I don't know if it counts towards yeah. my opening does it not? Yeah, credits thing, because it does have that initial 45 seconds before he goes, and that'll load up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, which is interesting, because we'll have to hold on to that, because yes, the film does open with the classic sort of fairy tale book opening, and then Alex said, oh, the door smash of the toilet opening, he's like, this ain't your normal fairy tale. Yeah. Now, the song did have a life before this film, which surprised me. It's one of those things when it says, like, the fil- the song was well-received and was nominated for a Grammy. Does that mean much? They're very <laughs> critical of Grammys on this podcast. The fact that it was nominated and didn't win. This song charted in various top tens around the world after this film came out, which I think is probably more credit to Shrek rather than the song. Yes, I yeah. think we're kind of seeming to go towards that. It's not one that you're listening to on the iPod. Or, or the Zune. I think you two were Zune guys, were you? Creative micros. Creative Zen micro, yeah. Uh, you were Creative Zen micros, weren't you? That's it. Yeah, you, you were really hip. Yep. Now, this song is also prominently used in another film in 1999. Do we know what that is? It, yes. it was used in various films, actually, but it was used first. Isn't this the third film? Is this the third film? Maybe I'm not quite aware of the dates of the other films I've got, but the first film that used this. Yeah, it's Mystery Men, isn't it? It is Mystery Men, yeah. Do you remember that film? God. Yeah. Well, I knew that because I did think back in the day when we started this podcast, we might have to do Mystery Men before we get to Shrek. <laughs> and we're like well, four and a half years down the line, and I was like, wow, fuck it, let's do Shrek first. <laughs> so the video for the song is from the film Mystery Men. Any ideas of what other films this song's been used in? Then do you seem to know one? Um, no. Over the Hedge. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That could have been true, though, couldn't One it? of them actually involves Smash Mouth actually in the film. Oh. 
Um, it's the movie Rat Race. <laughs> oh, God. So oh. right at the end, it ends at a concert, and it's a Smash Mouth concert. <laughs> Is that where they were racing? And they're all there. Uh, yeah, no, well, I don't know, but they're, for some reason, Smash Mouth are there at the end. <laughs> they were hot shit around these early 2000s, late 90s. The other film that I know it's been used in was Digimon the Movie. The American version, obviously. Oh, wow. Japanese audiences were unfortunately not graced with Smash Mouth. <laughs> that you know, their loss. <laughs> so yeah, looking at kind of like the reanalysis that often happens with songs like this that have had a long-lasting effect, like Alex said, it is an internet meme. It's actually dubbed like a cultural artifact by quite a few reviewers of just like it's like the epitome of a certain time. <laughs> not just in its musical sort of that weird ska punk that existed sort of late nineties, early nineties, but it, also its use in Shrek. I think this song will last a long time, Definitely. and it was just a placeholder originally. It was not supposed to be in the in the film. <laughs> Apparently, it was the producers wanted something with a bit more sort of like um, a bit more excitement, like a bit more speed. But apparently, um, it took a while to find a appropriate song, and they played it so many times that eventually they just it just grew on them. Mm. Cabin fever, Stockholm syndrome—I don't know how you put it. <laughs> and Smash Mouth themselves were initially apprehensive about the song being used in an animated movie, which I think is—I don't know—it's hard to think of it now because Shrek is the behemoth that we know it to be. But you hear that quite a lot, I guess, from a lot of people who are very nervous about giving their likeness, giving their piece of art <laughs> yes we will consider this song art <laughs> to to an animated movie and it just shows what the stigma was at the time and and didn't as well didn't this film go it went through like some production difficulties didn't it yeah quite and obviously a lot, quite it was supposed lot, to be yeah. chris far is it chris farley who was supposed to do the voice initially oh, and yes, then he died right. and then so, yeah. it was like picked up by mike myers later down the line so i think it i think it did go through some like kind of difficult times and things so it's pro- i assume no one expected it to be as successful already no, as successful so. as it was so yeah i think that you when you read few i think when they started getting towards final screenings they actually got quite hyped i think they put a lot of money into the um, marketing for this film as opposed to films like road to el dorado and prince of egypt which were very much almost like it could be a straight video if we wanted it to be <laughs> yes. and yes just you know i say the word fitting but that seems wrong because a few days before we recorded this uh episode the posted the new story that Steve Harwell, the lead singer and founding member of Smash Mouth, um, unfortunately passed away at a ridiculously young age of 56. Incredibly sad because as much as it is mocked, I just think is it is a couple, this song and this film. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's a song that brings happiness to so many people. Oh, absolutely. It, it comes through on the song. I still smile when I hear it. Yeah, and had such a a cultural impact as well. Like, imagine writing a song that affected that many people, and and that many people will remember. Like you just said, no, we will, we will never forget this song. And I imagine, no, nope. many people won't. So, so yeah, we've got a few little teaser of songs that kind of get used, thrown in, added almost as kind of like throwaway gags in themselves that do feature on the soundtrack, though. So we are obviously introduced to the character, the legendary character of Donkey, played by Eddie Murphy. And as Shrek and Donkey go off on their little adventure, we get a first little brief interlude of many to... uh, Eddie Murphy singing On the Road Again by Willie Nelson, the legendary song by Old Willie. Sing with me, Shrek. So that's the thing. The song doesn't play over it in the film, but we get the first example of some diegetic music, so some music that exists within the narrative itself. It's We, we can't remember. We were young. This probably just kind of went over our head, but I wonder what that was like to just kind of 
you know, to be used that way or the idea to like, let's actually have them singing it. I imagine it was one that they went back and forth on a lot. Yeah, it's like, is that written as the script or is it improvised? Like, I, how, how does that happen? Yeah, so I think this like sums up a lot of the songs in the film that like it's just uh, a almost maybe off a lyric. I mean, I imagine you contemplate the actual type of song, but that just they use a lyric that fits the narrative. They're starting to walk on the road again. It also fits Donkey's character because he often mm-hmm. sings these little interludes. Is almost used as a an aspect of his character that he just seems to be this walking pop culture reference. And actually, is he the main and only character that really does it? I'm just thinking now. Actually, no. Does it do any of this? But obviously, there's, a, there's the Matrix references, and they're not verbal. There's the Princess Venom. Oh yeah, yes. But I mean, it's just in like dialogue. Yeah, probably. The only ones I can think of are like the Shrek in the Swamp karaoke dance party or the Far Far Away. Well, yeah, Idol. They're, they're, yes, they're a bit. But they're not really. They're not canon. Oh, but oh, no, you, no. you obviously referenced the 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 mirror uh, at the beginning. He kind of there oh, are yeah, of little touches to that, for instance. There are, yeah, yes. That's a good point. But yeah, I think it I think it works great. I think this is a perfect song choice. On a, absolutely. And a perfect performance by Eddie Murphy because it is a nice travelling song, but his performance captures just how incredibly annoying Donkey is within the whole <laughs> yeah. franchise. Yep. Like Donkey is supposed to be annoying, and this just perfectly hits that whilst also still being funny and keeping you on Donkey's side, really. But it is annoying. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I get it. Yeah. I get I get why Shrek is annoyed. <laughs> Also, if I just go to Zoe on the road again, I think she will make it as a reference to Shrek. <laughs> she will say, sing it with me, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, well, that's just the power of this film, isn't it? And then you'll say, can I hum it? <laughs> <laughs> this, guys, audience listeners, you're, you're going to get a lot of this. <laughs> this is like Alex letting off steam <laughs> after a busy day at work. Um, the next song we are treated to is... As we are introduced to Lord Farquaad, we are given the choice of various princess potentials for a future bride. While the great mirror is revealing them, we are also played in the background the lovely Escape by Rupert Holmes, also known as the Pina Colada song. Respect what a perfect choice. What a perfect <laughs> choice. I think what's so great about this is obviously the reference would have gone over a child's head, but then they back it up with the mm-hmm. song. Because yeah. there's the reference in the in yeah, obviously in the in the description of Fiona and then they back it straight up with the song. So it's like you don't even need to know the initial reference because the joke is no. given to you afterwards straight away. Well yeah, as a kid I thought they must have made this for the film because that's what the mirror said to describe Fiona. <laughs> I've obviously learned since that's not the case before yeah. anyone jumps in with that. But yeah, it's such a fantastic reference, isn't it, to those kind of dating shows The I guess for us in England, the kind of the blind date aspect of it. Yes. That, you know, contestant number one, contestant number two, those kind of terrible films that, thank God, don't exist or are limited to those weird kind of uncomfortable YouTubers nowadays. Sidemen. But yeah, it's, it's pro- <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, literally it was the Sidemen that I was thinking of. <laughs> um, that baseline is perfect for this, doesn't it? It's that kind of like Classic, yeah. sultry, um, like cheap, sexualized um, musical interlude, isn't it? It's a pornorish. You can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't associate this song with this film, like many of them do. Um, this song is yeah. a pretty big, well-standing film. It's used in so many films. If you go on Wikipedia, the list of films that, that Rupert Holmes has lent this, uh, <laughs> his song to is ridiculous. I will say that I thought this was a Jimmy Buffett song until very recently. Really? Actually. 
R.I.P. Another another person's yes. died recently. But yeah, I thought it was Jimmy Buffett's song. Like, like it's designed to listen to in Margaritaville. It is, absolutely, <laughs> isn't it? This song was a number one smash hit when it came out. People loved the simplistic storytelling aspect of it. I, I'm still always like, if you walked into that bar, so people unaware, um, a man who is bored of his, um, of his marriage sees an ad in a paper of a woman who wants what seems like some carefree fun he writes back, they meet up, and it turns out it's his wife, and they laugh about it, and it seems to rekindle their marriage. I don't think that would work. No, I think they would see each other. I like, think both mm. of those two would be very pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, well, he never knew that she liked pina coladas. <laughs> but that, does, that, is that, does that save your marriage? It says theirs. Oh, yeah, is, this is the only things we're arguing, arguing about what cocktail to make in the evening. Just talk to her. I just love that he refers to her as, as my old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Also, to meet someone for an affair, tomorrow noon doesn't sound very romantic. <laughs> Do you want a little fun fact about this song? Absolutely. Yes, hit me. The chorus was not originally, if you like pina coladas. Was it, if you like strawberry decorations? It was, no, if you like Humphrey Bogart. Okay, I'm glad to change it. Yeah. Yeah, how weird is that? That's not fun. And as well, who doesn't like bogey? And as well, also, who doesn't like pina coladas? <laughs> who doesn't like bogey? I forgot if you best, bestie. <laughs> If I do hear this song, I do associate it with this film. And it, really? You know, That's interesting. Yeah, I do. There will be my. Same. I think it's. I, I think it's in Gar- one of the Guardians. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Well, they stole it from here. Well, yeah, well, they didn't still. steal it from it. Did it existed. It was a number like, one Shrek. song. They were like, what, "What film has a really good soundtrack?" Guardians of the Galaxy has a really good soundtrack. Off. Well, that's what I mean. They pinched because they pinched it from Shrek. They pinched the idea. It of was a reference to Shrek. They pinched the idea of having a good soundtrack from Shrek. <sighs> Next song. I think the next song might be one of Dee's favourites. So we have some more <laughs> diegetic music coming up and an original song. I think the only original song that exists in this film because as Shrek... Whoa, that's not true. Is it not? What's the, what's the other one? Robin Hood. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, 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 I forget. Sorry, one of two original songs in Shrek. So as Shrek and Donkey approach the kingdom of Julok, uh, they are greeted by a small wind-up music box that sings Welcome to Duloc. This is a very obvious mockery inspiration ode to It's a Small World, but what do you guys think? So yeah, I mentioned this earlier when talking about the movie generally, but the song was the moment where it made this movie into an instant classic for me and made it infinitely rewatchable. I mean, I'm a a 32-year-old man, and if you build up to a butt-off fart joke, but then actually nail the punchline, you're going to get a huge laugh from me every single time. (laughs) I'm pretty certain that I knew every single word to this after the first watch, it just... (laughs) imprinted into my brain as the dvd world it's just a work of art a masterclass in comedy songwriting uh, yeah and, and and also like a sort of visual gags of donkey's face contrasted with shrek's shock <laughs> and like absolute disgust almost <laughs> yeah i mean and then you add to it it's lampooning it's a small world it's just yeah, perfection it is it is, a, it is a hilarious little sort of um nod to the disney rivalry Indeed said as well. It probably it probably relates to why he enjoys canine crunches so much because they are quite similar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, it's got the same sort of beat, hasn't <laughs> it? Canine crunches. But yeah, I just love that end part where it takes the photograph of them and they're both just oh, just yeah. like the faces, and then he's <laughs> he just says, "Let's do that again." <laughs> absolutely. Have either of you seen the Shrek musical? No, I haven't actually. No, I haven't. I'm, that surprises me for some reason. I don't know why. I've seen. You know, sometimes they do those like annual, um, like 
benefits for musicals or something. It's like there's like there's like a weird show that they did here. I know which one. I know it, yeah. I know the, what you mean. And I've seen some of the performances on that, and it doesn't appeal to me. I think it it, it looks yeah, cringe. I, it, it doesn't appeal to me, but the, the reviews are always quite good. Uh, yeah, but Richard cringe. Blackwood is donkey. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Mm, I can't yeah. get on board with that. But apparently, there is a fully fledged song of this in Threat the Musical, multiple choruses and verse. Oh, so they ruin it. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that takes away from the beauty of it. Apparently, it is exactly the same melody as It's a Small World. It's just turned up the pitch and tempo slightly. So, like, it's not just, like, even in the style, it is almost exactly the same. <laughs> it is basically it is, it is it. <laughs> Our next little musical number, as Shrek and Donkey find themselves having to fight the guards sicked on them within Duloc, uh, as part of this wrestling match of sorts, <laughs> um, we yep. are exposed to the ever-fantastic bad reputation by Joan Jett, or Joan Jett and the Black Arts, if you would like. Now, D, I'm coming mm-hmm. to you specifically. Okay. Are you aware of the little wrestling fact about this song? Well, that Ronda Rousey used it in WWE. It is, yes. And the, the, there was a live performance as well. Oh, I forget yes. the live performance. See, of yeah. course you would know. Which WrestleMania was it at D? 38. A terrible D. Pathetic. Three years out. 35. Was it 35? 35, apparently. I mean, you can correct me wrong, but, you know, look it up. Alex, do you like this song? Yeah, I love this song. It's an amazing song. And it's an incredible scene. Yeah. Particularly the part where the woman shouts in the crowd. Hit him with the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course Alex loves this. Shrekomania is running wild. Yeah, to be fair, like, this is, you know, it's not... This is around the time that I also was very <laughs> interesting. So. It was very interesting. There are a lot of little good wrestling nods, aren't there? Yeah. The fantastic yeah, yeah. use of the turnbuckle. Yes. The, um, the diving elbow. I think there is a uh, there is an ankle lock in there at one point. Is there? I'm sure there's an ankle lock in there, yeah. Yeah, I think there is. So, yeah, I mean, this is another song that is used in a lot of films. It's often used, as I think... Almost as like a little soft rebel song, which fits, I guess, with the Joan Jet motif. So I kind of prefer, I like its use in this. I think it's kind of stereotyped as the um, kind of... Um, Someone like breaking the rules. <laughs> yeah, like a very soft breaking of rules song. Um, so I actually quite like it used here. Just gives it that extra energy, doesn't it? But... Yeah. It's just a, it's another twist on the using the use of the lyrics. You know, I don't care about my bad reputation because of, you know, Shrek's reputation. You don't care. You don't care. Have you ever seen the video for this song? Probably at some right. point. Or, well, magic. I, I mean, some some early 80s music videos are just fantastic relics because they hadn't quite mastered the craft of it yet. This might be one of the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> the sound mixing is all off. She doesn't know where the camera is. She's making weird faces. You just go and watch it, guys, because it is an absolute doozy. I mean, the song was one of her first singles. It came from her debut album. I think it was the follow-up to... I love rock and roll. It is considered one of the greatest rock songs of all time. I and I yeah. would probably agree. Yeah, me too. I don't know how we go. We go through this sort of list so far, though. Like some uh, some of these choices: bad re- bad reputation, Pina Colada song, little on the road again interlude, Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> again, we're not insulting Smash Mouth. Thank you very much. But it it's different. It almost seems like like these are all kind of pl- part of the pop culture gag. Yeah. Whereas All Star is a different thing. Like, this is going to be our single, almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's why people associate yeah. that song really strongly with this film. Oh, the, oh it's also the, the opening song, isn't it? it but is, I yeah, think yeah, that's absolutely. that's probably why. Absolutely. 
So as Shrek and Donkey set off to find Princess Fiona for Lord Farquaad, we have a quick travelling montage. Now, there are a lot of montages in this film. (laughs) So this one, we are exposed to the song I'm On My Way by The Proclaimers. Very quick, very brief, a very good walking song. Surprise they didn't use I'm Gonna Be 500 Miles, but (laughs) maybe they wanted something slightly less on the nose. Well, I feel like this the use of this song in this movie is like a Trojan horse. Obviously, it's a wonderful little Proclaimers song, but what it means is that when people say the Proclaimers were a one-hit wonder, you can name this song and people will know it because of this mm. film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, then obviously the sense. people who've seen the film Sunshine and Leaf will know 20 songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. And yeah, just simply picked, I think, because I'm on my way. Very easy, very fitting. There, after this song, there's quite a big break. So we have the huge scene of the in the rescuing of Princess Fiona. I think it's probably right that they don't use a pop culture song at this time. They stick to an orchestral soundtrack. I think you know, as far as the film, you've got to ramp up uh, sort of some an element of, as it would say on the um, the BBFC rating, sort of what's it say, moderate threat. Usually on like yeah. a PG, this has to be that moment, and I don't think you can do that probably with a pop culture song. So I think again, to Shrek's credit, they do pick and choose it very well. Mm. I don't think it's bloated with them as mu- as many as there is. It they do it well. Yeah. Agreed. So there's that, there's that like musical interlude that plays throughout the song, which is like the da 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 da. And yes. there is a song on the soundtrack that has used that. They, they basically turned that into a pop song. I don't know if either of you two have heard it. It is I don't know. Pretty bad. Because <laughs> I just like had the soundtrack on on like a commute last week, and it came on. I was like, "This is just the musical," and then turned into this like awful pop song. It was very like early stage Britney Spears esque. Like it was trying to. Oh be. god! <laughs> I can't believe what it's called. Awful. It's called "It Is You I Have Loved" in brackets by Dana Glover. If, so if you like listen to it, the intro of the song is that musical refrain, because I was like, oh, I wonder if they've taken this from another song, and then it plays as like, no, this was a song that has been made for the film, because it is awful. <laughs> Before we move on, because I'll never get to talk about this ever again, there's only one line in this entire movie, line delivery, I should say, in this entire movie that I do not like, and oh. it's in this castle scene. Which is? So when they arrive at the castle, Donkey and Shrek, and there's the rickety bridge. Is it that'll do, Donkey? Yep. It's when he goes, really, really. Really, really. It really annoys me because it's clearly a really, really from a different take. Oh, I, oh so just in the sense I don't of... Know if, I, don't, oh, okay. I don't know if it's because I've been editing so much that like I now hear these differences. Nerd. Yeah. But when he talks, if you listen to it, he says the first line, Donkey responds. Then he says, really, really. And it's a completely different, like the pitch, the echo... Everything about it is different. And then the next word after that Shrek says, which is pretty much straight away, is it sounds completely different and it's always D, bugged me. D, when something like that happens, a wizard did it. <laughs> but there is an example of a, a Shrek line that is a pop culture reference, the uh, that'll do donkey. That'll do. Yeah. I'm looking down, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we could just do it all, can we? Whenever, whenever um, I'm anywhere. Like, so what, from on, like, on heights. <laughs> yeah, hi, I'll always say it to my wife. I can wait up the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> We got to the, the bit where you can walk on the glass. And I was going, I'm looking down, Shrek! <laughs> I'm sure she loved that. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Any, um, we skipped them. Um, anytime cutting onion, always a reference there. Mm-hmm. Every time you're eating parfait, I've never even eaten parfait. But yeah, I know it's no, I've never eaten parfait. <laughs> I'm a noble um, student. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, this is just nostalgia in doing this. This is going to be longer than the movie itself. <laughs> so we move on. Things quieten down. We now have Princess Fiona in our little triplet. And as this band of three is working their way through the woods, we get our second original song. Thank you, Dietrich. You're welcome. Because Fiona is briefly kidnapped by not Robin Hood, Monsieur Hood, <laughs> as he is credited in the cast. Oh, merry man! <laughs> Just a quick, quick thoughts on this one, guys. It's it's great. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a classic like musical number, isn't it? It's very West Side Story, especially with the clicking. They do the yes, oh yeah, it's where they really, do like really the, the crouching down, yeah, yeah, to crouching down click, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I just love the scene straight after as well, where she uh, just like demolishes them all in like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, fantastic Matrix uh, with the Matrix reference, yeah, which is very yeah. of the time. It's a nice jolt back into the idea of the other kind of uh, fantasy creatures and that, that side of the storyline. Because um, you kind of yeah. haven't, oh, obviously, you've had the, the dragon, but you've not had the, those like classic storybook characters coming into it, back into it until now. So, yeah, it's a nice yeah, reintroduction. And a fantastic break of the uh, princess trope of yeah. her being, you know, completely independent. And if anything, probably far superior to everyone around her in at least in the what is often traditionally associated with a male characteristic of fighting skill, uh, and they twist that so well. Yeah, watching the movie back under the scope of knowing we we're going to cover it on a podcast, I realised that this song essentially has the same structure and joke as the Welcome to Duloc song. Like it has two verses, and the big joke is a misdirect of a word. Oh uh, yeah, just replace ass and face with laid and paid. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it hits as well. Obviously, as Welcome to Duloc. No but that's probably because I have a, the aforementioned soft spot for button fat <laughs> jokes. But I, I do mm-hmm. obviously enjoy it. But um, yeah, my question to you, Ben, is why is Robin Hood French? Um, I think it, Good question. I think it was an attempt on the, the filmmaker's part to make him a bit like uh, seedier and a bit... Probably. A bit probably like, you know, like, yeah, like, like uh, leaning into stereotypes. Yeah, it, it was, it's probably a stereotype, isn't it? Yes, of the, um, exactly, yeah. yeah. Maybe next time don't randomly grab a woman while she's walking down a path. <laughs> yeah. FYI. Obviously, after this, after this incredible performance by Princess Fiona, we start to see this love story blossom. Shrek and Fiona begin to grow feelings for each other, and we have another lovely montage as we hear My Beloved Monster by The Eels, a song I had no recollection of. I can only associate with this film because I have never listened to it since. It seems to be picked simply because of the title of the song. Mm, that's a bit unfair. I think you're doing it dirty there, and potentially a nod to the fact that we 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 only are associated with Fiona. We don't even at this point supposed to know that Fiona is actually an ogre. So. <gasps> Spoilers. I, I I mean I really like this song. I think this is one yeah. of the ones that I always yeah. really remember being in it. And when I listened back to the soundtrack, it was one of the ones that kind of I think because it is such a nice because it is the star of their relationship. It's a really nice like funny but sort of like the softest scene that we've seen so far in terms of the tone yeah but i just think the song really works nicely and there's that part like where they're blowing up the balloons but it has well they're blowing up like, the frogs <laughs> yeah, and things yeah. into balloons. but it has but the mute the frog's yeah. face oh my god <laughs> but the music kind of has that kind of like brassy kind of rise yeah. up as well it kind of really fits in really really beautifully i think that part so actually, yeah, I just think it's great. I think it's I think it works perfectly. I mean, a lot of the songs in this film I associate with this film were probably my first introduction to those songs. Like even things like the Pina Colada song, this was my introduction to it, so that's why I associate it with this film. But obviously, a song like this is this is all I would I know it from. Like you said, I've never heard it anywhere else yeah. other than in this film. So I, I 
remember it even more fondly from being in this. Absolutely. And I think I think yeah. if, if they picked like a traditional sort of big love song for this, it would have been too jokey. I think or like you think of films maybe of this time, maybe slightly later, the Indie Darling films, it feels like an Indie Darling song. You know that would f- fall very nicely on a on like a Juno soundtrack or something like I that. Say, if, you, if you put this on Five Hundred Days of Summer, I'd yeah. Be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and that's why it works. Yeah, putting my money on the table and saying that this is the best falling in love montage we'll ever cover on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Probably. Yeah, potentially, potentially. It's definitely the best one we've done so far. I think the writers get lost so much in writing jokes that they forget that this is the thing that makes people fall in love with Shrek and these characters generally. Not yeah. just like the punchlines and how belligerent Shrek is, but like cute <laughs> yeah. gags like the balloon animals. Pushing the, when they push each other and he pushes her into the bush and then runs away. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the fun thing that everyone can get involved with. It's not like the, the stupid baby said wah-wah jokes in Shrek 3 and 4. <laughs> Do the yeah, I don't like the Shrek sequels <laughs> if this has not come across. Do I don't even like Shrek 2. Oh, okay, well, I do like Shrek too, but I'll end it there. So apparently, Mark Oliver, who's the lead singer of the Eels, this is the favourite song he's ever recorded and wants to make an album of just this song. Because apparently every time he performs this song at a gig, concert, whatever, he does it differently. So you can go... There's There's an article, I think, by The Guardian from a few years ago where there's just various... It's just a, like a top 20 of... My beloved monsters <laughs> of what what performance at which version is the best, and you can listen to a few, and then he does make them completely different every time, which is quite odd. That's cool. Yeah, it's very very cool, uh, and something I've not really seen anyone else do. It's a good idea for a song that is probably like their big song. Well, I'm guessing I yeah. don't know anything about the. Yeah, it seems to be no. Yeah, it seems to be. We're moving on to another set of very big songs. So hey, guess what? Another montage. As Fiona and Shrek start to get mixed messages, assuming they each despise one another, they go off in their despair while we are introduced to an incredibly influential song. The Now, interestingly, it is the John Cale version of mm-hmm. Leonard Cohen's classic Hallelujah. I think it's quite well known, the unusual sort of almost Mandela effect aspect of... Um, what version is on this film? Yes. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna bring this up. I didn't realize yeah. you guys knew about this as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's Mandela effect in a sense. I mean, what is the best version of this song? First of all, well, I think Jeff Buckley is probably the best version of this song. Yep. But I don't think the Jeff Buckley version wor- would work for this film. Yes. I have always felt the Jeff Buckley version has the sexualized element a bit too strong. <laughs> well, I've got four different versions of this song, which were popular: mm-hmm. Cohen, Buckley, Kale, and Wainwright. Yep. And, well, of course, and Alexandra Burke. But... <laughs> and, of course. and, of course, Alexandra Burke. But, um, yeah, I think all the other ones are too solemn and introspective. Yeah. Yeah, the haunted performances. But they're not suited for this movie. Yes, um, absolutely. The, the John Cale version, in my opinion, is it's clearer and louder, and it feels more like a call to those listening. And coupled with the montage, feels like it's pointed at us, the audience. Mm. Okay. Like, the yeah. characters are at their lowest point in the film, and they're hearing maybe Jeff Buckley's version or Wayne Wright's version. But we as a group, as the audience, are being addressed with this song choice. Okay, yeah. I, I, I it asks us, sense. do we even care about Shrek and Fiona? Do you, do you think they're going to make it? And that's the kind of question that needs to play to the back of the room as well as it does to the front row. Okay. So it needs to be yeah. the clearer, louder version. Um, I might be reading too much into it, no, but like that. that's oh, how I felt. I, 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 to be fair, I think in whatever way you look at this song has many things. One of the, great, the greatest thing about this song, I mean, I think it's an absolutely incredible song. There are so many things you can read into it in so many different layers, from lyrics to who's ri- who's written and performed it, to how it came about, to how it's sung. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the song itself speaks for itself, I think. It's, you know, it's an amazing song. I think in terms of my journey with it in this film, was this is probably the first time again that I heard this song was in this film. And I really liked this version of it because it was the only version I really knew. And then, like, obviously as time went on, I heard the more famous versions, probably like the Jeff Buckley one and the original Leonard Cohen one. I knew those weren't the versions in the film. Or I certainly knew the Jeff Buckley one wasn't the version in the film because it sounds very different. I was like, oh, I'll just look up what it mm-hmm. what it is. And everywhere you look, it's like, it's Rufus Wainwright. And then I listened to the Rufus Wainwright one. I was like, that is not the song that is in the film. Yep. And like, I really don't like the Rufus Wainwright version because <laughs> he's, like, yep. he's like, as he often does, uh, just like m- massively <laughs> overperforms it, doesn't give it any subtlety whatsoever, and it just doesn't sound Rufus right. Wayne wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I was, and I never, I don't think I ever really got to the bottom of what the version was until just now, like in the last week or so. I was like, oh, I'm going to try to really look up what it was because I never really heard it anywhere else. And then I saw it was John mm-hmm. Cale. I was like, I listen, I, I like for the like the last couple of years, I've been listening nonstop to John, to John Cale. And I was like, but that that version is only on any of the albums that I've listened to. Um, so I didn't, and actually if you go on Spotify, the only version that's on there is on like a live version. That was the only version I could yeah. find because every time you type in yeah. Shrek soundtrack, it has the Rufus Wainwright version. It's, it's not because yeah, that's the no. version that's on the soundtrack, and I think that's why everyone always says it's the Rufus Wainwright when it when it isn't. Yeah. Before we kind of go on from that, um, Alex, what is your favorite version? I, I think that it's this version. The John I, th- version. I think it's just because it's the association with the film, and it was the first version I heard. So. It's That's always just been this version because it's the one that sounds right to my ear because it was the first version I heard. And I think that often is the case with songs, isn't it? Like, even if you hear a cover first, sometimes you're like, the cover is the song that you recognise. Yeah. It's the James Bond phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, because I have such strong associations with this song, with this film and this scene, that this is the version that hits my ears in the right way, if that makes sense. See, I, I think you're right, but just like you were saying that, I when I was younger, I thought the Jeff Buckley version was the one in the film, just because of dis- like the dissociation aspect of it, and therefore I thought that was my favorite. The same the same method of what you're saying that I thought it was the first version I heard, but it wasn't. I just yeah. assumed it was, and therefore that's why I liked it. The Jeff Buckley version is probably my favorite, but I, I, the Leonard Cohen version has definitely grown on me as I've okay. gotten more into Leonard Cohen as I probably become more depressed. I think all three of those versions are, are all great. Yeah, I that's the absolutely. Like, they, they're all great in their own way, and they they're all similar, but they're all. Different at the same yeah. time. I hate the Rufus Wainwright version. Don't care much for the yeah. Alexander Park version either, but don't have anything strong opinions against it either. So we'll go into why, what's happened here and why it seems to have this effect. Um, but firstly, kind of like some background on the song. So obviously Leonard Cohen wrote the song, had a terrible time writing it apparently, just could not finish it, obviously had the bare bones of it. Apparently there are hundreds and hundreds of papers with different lyrics on that he just couldn't quite figure out. I think his version is slightly different to the John Cale version. Apparently when John Cale asked if he could record it, Leonard Cohen just sent various like paper copies and just said, here, take it. <laughs> um, so it might not have been the version he was performing or singing at the time, but John Cale got a version of it. So initially it had very little success. People didn't really like the Leonard Cohen version. It got greater acclaim through the John Cale version, which came out in 91, which, I don't know, that must pain you when you're an original creator of a song, because Leonard Cohen was quite a big name. Mm. People didn't like it. It's quite late for John Cale, that, as well, though. It is, yeah, it is, absolutely. And that, in Cale's version, apparently then inspired the 1994 recording by Jeff Buckley, which 
itself then getting even further down the line of success that version was ranked 259 on rolling stones 500 greatest songs of all time so not leonard cohen's version not john cale's version the jeff buckley version the main differences and i think what d you were kind of alluding to this a bit i think the john cale version and maybe the rufus wainwright version sounds almost like a, a heartbreak song whereas i think the leonard cohen and Jeff Buckley version sounds like a dirge in that it's kind of almost funeral aspect, like the sorrow. Yep. It's just just play. It's not like a, the, almost like singing to a muse, like like a like a hymn aspect, isn't it? They're introspective versions, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very soul. You can sort of see someone singing it like yes. to themselves in a in a dank room. <laughs> yeah, you can't with the John Cale version. No. Yeah, like I think that's a really astute point what you said about like it sounding more like it's singing to the audience, and that's why it fits more with the film because it's us that's hearing it. It, yeah. it def it hundred percent fits more. Plus the pacing of it, the 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 bit, the tempo is just slightly quicker, and I think you know you've got to be mindful yeah. of that when you're doing a montage. You can't let it just sit and slow and almost soak it up like you would in the Cohen or Buckley version. You've got to get you know you got to crack on a little bit. Now the John Cale version is in the film. The Rufus Wainwright version is on the soundtrack. So here's, that's the thing. So the only time you hear the John Cale version is on the film. The Rufus Wainwright version is on the released soundtrack. Why that is, no one's ever fully pinned it down. The only thing that seems to explain why Rufus, Rufus, Rufus Wainwright, Rufus Wainwright. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jonathan Ross. Yeah, it, this is really hard. Um, Rufus Wainwright he had a contract with DreamWorks. He did loads of recordings for loads of films. So that makes sense why he's on the soundtrack. Why his version is not in the film is never really explained. Now, apparently, Rufus Wainwright said that in a radio interview. I couldn't find the accurate source, though, so it seems quite hearsay that he was worried about almost a glass ceiling effect, that if he had it in his film, he was worried that because of his sexuality uh, as a gay man, he thought that it would be having put, like connotations that he would find limiting. Now, I've seen this quoted various places around the internet, but never the original source or the recording, so I'm a bit sceptical on that one. But on, on mm. another alternative explanation that seems quite common in a very simple way is that apparently John Cale had various issues with licensing of his songs that people struggled with, and this is kind of a common thing, and that the soundtrack aspect of resale was easier for Rufus Wainwright because he had a contract rather than John Cale. So you're not making money of John Cale for it being in the film. You've paid him right. for use. Whereas, it sounds like royalties. Yeah, the royalty aspect of it, it made more sense to have a someone with a contract with DreamWorks themselves to profiteer on it. Yeah. Um, and that's the only, seems to be the only reason why that's that's happened. But it's very, very unusual. I can't think of another example of that in film. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I mean, when it, when, when something like that happens, it's always money. Yeah. Yeah. It will do the do the thing do the finger thing do the finger thing. <laughs> finger thing means it's Texas. <laughs> Texas. Um, yeah, because it is weird and it just caused me great confusion for a long time. And and <laughs> it is the worst version. The Rufus yeah. Wainwright version is the worst version. Well, it's, yeah, out yeah. of those four. Out of the four, agree, hundred percent. Okay, so if there is a challenge to All Star by Smash Mouth, it is probably it the use of the closing celebration finale performance of I'm a Believer, which in itself, the version used is a Smash Mouth version. So, diegetically, we have Donkey leading the cast in the performance of I'm a Believer, most famously, obviously, recorded by the Monkees. What do we think of this for an absolute... what acts as, without actually doing it, the bookend? It's a great party way to sign the uh, the film off. 
it's actually yeah. it's unexpected, I guess, that it, it, would, it would just be a monkey's song, but it really works. <laughs> and the the performance from Eddie Murphy is obviously spectacular, so that helps. Yeah, because um, it's not really the Smash Mouth version, is it? It is, but it's Eddie Murphy singing it. So on the oh yeah, on the soundtrack, it's the Smash yeah. Mouth version. As I said, I was listening to the soundtrack, and it was the Smash Mouth version, and it is really similar to the version in the film. But it's not as good as the version in the film. <laughs> it feels like actually yeah. it should have been released by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> well, yeah, Eddie, the Eddie Murphy bit when he does the sort of the um, the I guess the the typical sort of third chorus um, like key change is is much better. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. typical sort of karaoke yeah. classic when he kind of goes he goes up and no doesn't he? and gives a I believe I believe I believe I believe I believe yeah yeah hey. all sorts of stuff like that yeah I can't breathe I can't breathe <laughs> I can't breathe <laughs> I hope that was an outlet. <laughs> Because he's going for it and he's singing so goddamn fast. I mean, how can you hear this song and watch this ending and not have a giant smile on your face? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's... As Alex said, it's just a great send-off to this movie and sends everybody home happy. Absolutely. And regardless of that, it's used in the movie. It's just a fun song to listen to generally. Mm. As I mentioned, I'm not a fan of the Shrek sequels and I rewatched Shrek 2 recently just to make sure that I wasn't being stupid. Oh, yeah. What's the song he performs at the end of that one? Well, it's Puss and Boots and Donkey singing La Vida Loca. Oh, yeah, but yeah, It's such yeah, a yeah, failed yeah. attempt to recapture the magic of this, I believe, a sing-along ending. Yeah. It's just, it just, re- it, for me, it reinforced just how good of a pick of a song this is uh, yeah. to end the movie. Uh, yeah, and how it's done. Like, uh, just actually, to fair, there's more moments when Alex is just saying that, so that, you know, that, believe, you know, stuff like that. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's, uh, like, it is, just feels like a concert ending, doesn't it? It's the yeah. proper audiences on the feet clapping it's away. It's like an encore. Imagine, yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Right at the beginning of this scene, there's a random town folk, I guess. I don't know if you guys know this. I only spotted it this time and I sort of went, wait, stop, go back 10 seconds. No. No. Okay. So there's a guy who's just randomly clapping. He starts clean shaven and then suddenly a beard pops onto his face. <laughs> really? Okay. Weird. And now I can't unsee it when I watch that scene. Classic. I'll have to watch it back. I look forward to watching it again. <laughs> Fun little fact about this song, the original version by the Monkees, was written by Neil Diamond. Mm. Well, we all know that they didn't write their own music or uh, play their own instruments. No, well, no, they uh, all play their own instruments or do anything. They did too. I mean, the the original it was about rebellion. song by the Monkees was a global hit. It was number one basically everywhere. Alex, do you remember the year? Can you guess the year? You're quite good at these sort of things. Six. Well, obviously it was the 60s. 66? Is that too late? Seven. Oh. So close. I thought he was quite good, but he failed anyway. Mm. Story of my life. Anyway, um, do you want to kick him out of the podcast here? That's his first warning. Okay, first warning, good. <laughs> this is the third song from Shrek that is on Rolling Stone's top 500 great songs, alongside Hallelujah and Bad Reputation. <laughs> Not Smash Mouth. <laughs> Not Smash Mouth, no. We can still, still hope it can be updated. If, if uh, Missy Elliott can be in the top 10. Originally, they weren't going to have a song at the end of the film. It was going to be a maybe fitting in with the trope of them riding off into the sunset and just like the film starts, the book closing. Oh, so, okay, and that was yeah. going to be the end. And that's that that was the plan. I think they said that eventually they felt from like pre-screenings that it felt like the film ended on a bit of a somber note and they wanted it to go out with a big laugh. Laugh was the main word they used. I don't associate it with humour, but it's just excitement, energy. Yeah, different kind of happiness. Yeah, I don't think it's not. It doesn't yeah. feel like a gag. It just feels like a fun ending. Doesn't it? it just it's a like celebration. Of, yeah, the celebration. Perfect. Something some word to sum up. There is obviously the final yeah. gag of them being in like an onion, or is it garlic? It's like a garlic or an onion. Car. It's like a ga- yeah, um, clove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it, is it? The, it's not the true ending, as we all know, because especially the VHS. <laughs> yeah. We all know where the VHS goes next. But another day, Alex. Another, another day. day. 
Um, and yeah, like like we like like what has been for most of these songs, just the picking of the name of the song. I'm a believer. The whole thing about fairy tales and associations, it fits. Like compared to what Dee was saying, I live in the Vida Loca. There's no, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, the performance is terrible as well. Like it, it just doesn't have the life. Like the entire movie, it doesn't have a life. No, <laughs> apparently Weezer sings the version of this in Shrek Forever After. Don't remember. Boo. Don't remember much about that film. Yeah. The less said, the better. Last bit about this one. The Smash Mouth version got to number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. Do you know what that... You know, the after the Monkeys version, the highest version to chart in the UK at number three was a version by Vic and Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer in EMF yeah. in the mid-90s, which is very odd. Yeah, um, This is a big song. Top five. So should we move on to the top five? Yeah, do it. Seeing as we decided to record the longest episode we've ever done on the hottest day of the year. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Ben, you give the task to me to do a top five, and I turned to my wife and said, can you think of a decent top five for Shrek? And she said, top five green things. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's top five. We, we reduced it to top five green characters. Okay. okay, nice, nice. She actually said characters with a soul. I don't know if that helps. Characters with a soul? Was that on the Google search? Uh, there was no googling involved. Those... No, okay, it, she okay. she just fired off this okay, list. Okay, so this is just your wife's list. This might be the most credible list we've ever done. Sounds good. Go ahead. Shrek. Shrek. Uh, Shrek. No, unfortunately, not um, on the list. Uh, Shrek's what? Uh, well, failed list. Shrek from the walk around attraction. Shrek's adventure in London was an honourable mention. <laughs> good, good to know. Kermit good the Frog. Know. Good to know. Kermit the Frog is number one. The Hulk. Not on the list. The Grinch. Not on the list. Uh, God, that's me gone. Uh, Oscar I, the yeah, Grinch. I was about to say. <laughs> I'm just thinking of them. <laughs> but, um, but Jim Henson's a good a show. A Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Leonardo, Donatella, Raphael, Michelangelo. No, no, no. Facing no. I wasted all that time. Jim Henson's a good <laughs> show. But obviously I've said Kermit already. You've already got Kermit. There's, a, there's another Jim Henson character on this. Is there? Jim Henson Company. Oh, Yoda? No. Close, though. Baby Yoda? Yoda. <laughs> oh, Baby Yoda. Grogu. Yeah, Gro- Grogu is number two. Uh, Do you know what Yoda's first name is? Yoda. Michael. <laughs> No, no, it's, it, honestly, if you look at pre-screenings, pre-writing, writing, it makes me laugh every time. The planned name for Yoda was going to be Minch. Minch Yoda. Minch Yoda. Um, um, Peach Dragon. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, Peach no. Dragon. Oh, any dra- is there any dragons? Uh, there is dragon not. Um, <laughs> what is the more... Um, Presum- are, they, are they all, like, the, I guess most of them will be animated characters, right? Uh, so n- number three is animated. Number four is a puppet. Number five is animated. Mike, Mike Wazowski. Mike. Number five, yes, Mike oh, Wazowski. Cool. Good. So you got Hulk, number three again, animated character, and then number four, puppet. Another puppet. Animated character, puppet. Oscar. No, I said Oscar the Grouch. No, I already said it. You got to go a bit more obscure with your Jim Henson TV shows. Oh, good, is it that crystal? What's it called? No, no, it's it's, it's still like very in green. And is it from Sesame Street? No, but kids TV, like early morning kids TV show. Oh, Perry the Platypus. Perry the Platypus was an honourable mention. <laughs> I don't know, like that e- emu thing. What's it called? Okay. Emu thing? The emu, you know, what's his name? Like Keith Harris or whatever in there. Is it Keith Harris? It's got to be some aliens <laughs> like my... What's um... <laughs> Jim Henson? <laughs> All right, so you're saying it is Jim Henson's. It is just a Jim Henson character, I'm trying to think of. Uh, well, a Jim Henson company character. Fucking hell, I ain't got a clue. I don't know if he was alive when the character was created, but it's the Jim Henson Company. No idea. Okay, I'll give up on that one. Number three, the animated character. Um, 
Japanese show, but more pop. Japanese show? Or an anime Japanese Pokemon? origin, but it's translated into is so it, many languages. Is it a Venus? A, a Bulbasaur? It's a Bulbasaur. Well, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, you've only got number four to get, and you're never going to get it. It's from the Hoobs. The Hoobs? It's from the what? The Hoobs. I ain't got a clue what that is. Okay, well, it's Groove from the Hoobs. Groove from the Hoobs. Good to know. Good to know. I will have to watch the Hoobs. They didn't didn't go for uh, Dipsy. Or or Rex. Or Rex. No, Pickle Rick was the only other thing you didn't care. Okay, cool. But like I say, this wasn't a case that she spent time thinking about this. She literally just rattled off. off. Like she'd already knew what the list was. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Just literally the first five green characters she could think of and then went, put Kermit at the top. (laughs) Put Kermit. (laughs) Kermit the Frog. Kermit. Oh, that's Kermit, Kermit. That's that's Miss Piggy. Kermit. (laughs) Okay, Um, so that was the top five. Okay, so now it's time for us to decide what is the best song of Shrek. I think... This is going to be more difficult than I first anticipated when I wrote down this list. Um, uh, Alex, it's almost too difficult that I'm just going to give it to Smash Mouth. <laughs> just All the band. Smash Mouth. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's just it's the song from Shrek, and I feel like it's the it's it's the song from Shrek that has yeah. the biggest cultural impact in relation to the film. So I would I think I just have to say that I think I'd de- I, yeah. I there hasn't been a song that we've talked about that I have disliked that this uh, which is I think is. I think it possibly could be the best soundtrack to any film ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> in terms of my personal preference, so it's a hard one. But I think we'd have to you have to go for Smash Mouth for that, just for the fact that it's the song from the film. It's the, it's that song from that movie. Yeah, I I think it has to go with. Like, I think the best song is Hallelujah, but All Star it is the Shrek song. You know, in all yeah. its in all its great aspects of Shrek, you still yeah. do need that song. Like you could you could probably replace a lot of the other songs. You can't replace All Star. Yeah. Going into this, I wrote down that I was going to say Welcome to Duloc, but <laughs> we as much as that th- that song and that joke has an incredible place in my heart that will never die, it'd be stupid not to give it to All Star by Smash Mouth. Yeah. It is it is the song of Shrek. It is the Shrek song. I bet if you Google the song from Shrek, mm. it comes up with All Star. I'm telling you, yeah. so, so it has to be that song from that movie. Shrek. All Star is the one at the top of the list. Well, there you go. Why are we even doing this segment? Just let's just do that every it's time. Actually the, it's on. It's it's the first two songs on the list. Somebody. <laughs> so that brings end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know on. I'm not calling it X. Let us know on Twitter. Never call it X. Uh, which song you think is the best from Shrek? Um, you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Hive, mm-hmm. probably another platform, I can't remember. Threads. Threads. Uh, Alex, what is... Uh, threads, yes. Threads. Uh, Alex, what is our social media handle? TSFTM pod? Correct. So you can also help the podcast by leaving a five-star review, telling your friends, buying our merch, or signing up to our Patreon. Uh, all the links are in the show's notes. Uh, so all stuff now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself. Goodbye. And goodbye from Alex. Hey, Pinocchio, you want to watch that nose, man? Oh, that's not from this. It is. It is. It, it, is, it is. And it will forever be. Don't take the swamp karaoke dance party away from me. <laughs> it's its own amazing thing. I love that you just knew straight away what the, where it was from. <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Go watch Species 2. <laughs> You'd just be glad that I didn't say it. it's all ogre now. Yeah, Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Shrek is love, Shrek is life. Some of you will die.
That's a choice I'm willing to make. <laughs> Boris Johnson, COVID. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wow, punchy. Political. Politics. So, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yeah. The years did stop coming. Oh, God. <laughs> oh no. No. <laughs>